Hello, and welcome to About This Writing Thing, the bi-weekly podcast about living the writing life. I am your host, novelist Sayward B. Eller, and I am happy to bring to you today an interview with women's fiction and thriller writer Maggie Giles. A note before we begin, please keep in mind that these interviews are pre-recorded, so the volume between the intro and the interview itself may differ. If you're wearing earbuds, I encourage you to turn your volume down until the interview comes on and you can adjust as needed. Okay, let's get into it and help me welcome to the booth, Maggie Giles. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Um, We are going to talk I have about seven questions that I ask, and the first one that I always ask is, what genre or genres do you write, and how long have you been writing? I've been writing for about 10 years, um, on and off, kind of looking to get to publication. I've written in a ton of different genres, but I kind of settled on what I like to call thrilling women's fiction. I kind of write between a variety of very women's fiction-based books and then more on the thriller suspense side. So it's been a very fun journey for me um, to really explore that sort of darker side of fiction. Um, I found writing romance was just a little bit too hard for me. I understand fully. I was talking with another author yesterday and she was talking about how Um, It took her a while to figure out where she belonged in the writing landscape, and I was like, it it did me too, because for a long time, I thought that I wrote romance, and it turns out, even I thought I wrote romance, and then I thought I wrote women's fiction, but it turns out I write upmarket fiction, so it, and she was talking about how once she finally figured out where she belonged in the writing landscape, it was like, this big weight lifted off of her and everything made sense. And that's kind of how I felt. Did you feel the same way when you kind of discovered your niche? Yeah, I think that is like such a great way to kind of explain it because one of the things we talk about a lot in the writing industry is knowing your genre and knowing your market. So when you don't know where you fall in there as a writer, it can be really hard to find your comp novels, to find what's relevant in the genre that you're writing because you don't know where to focus. And so I think almost one of the reasons I did kind of fall into the suspense thriller is because that is a genre I really like to read as well. So that could be also part of it. (laughs) I like to read thrillers every now and then. I think the last one that I read was The Black House by Carol Johnstone. It was very good if you haven't read it. <laughs> it's set on an it's set on this really rural Scottish island and there's a lot of Gaelic in there that I have no idea what it means, but the story was fantastic, so I highly recommend it. <laughs> I like it. I'll definitely have to check that one out. It sounds right up my alley. <laughs> now when did you know you wanted to be a writer? Was there like a moment in time where you said to yourself, wow, I really, I really am cut out for this. This is what I want to do. Uh, Totally. So I am one of those obnoxious people who says I've written my whole life and I'm being serious. I can, my sister has a 
very old story that I typed up on a very old computer <laughs> while she was away at camp. And uh, basically, it's horrible. It's got a lot of plot holes. Uh, <laughs> and it's very, very short. But that was sort of it. It's that I've always written for kind of entertainment, for my own enjoyment. I was a big fan fiction writer uh, while I was in high school. And then... When I was backpacking Europe with my best girlfriend after we graduated university, we ran out of books to read. So she had kind of encouraged me to start writing a story so that I could write for a train ride and she could read for the next train ride. And it kind of just gave us a little bit of entertainment. And so after that trip, I finished the book and kind of was just like, oh, it's going to get put aside as I've done with all my fan fiction, with all my other writing. And I actually ended up having a conversation with uh, my cousin's grandfather, so I'm related to him on my mom's side, so it's his dad. Um, it's his dad's father. They actually had a Canadian author who wrote in my genre at the time was historical fiction, and so he hooked me up with a, her email, and I actually ended up speaking with her. Her name's Genevieve Graham. She's a wonderful author, and she kind of talked me through like, now you got a book. Here's how you edit. Here's what you need to do to find an agent. Here's what the process looks like, and really kind of just laid it all out, and it was super overwhelming, but it was the first time that I was kind of like, oh, I could publish a book? Okay, cool. Like, And it was just, I'd always sort of thought the idea was awesome, but I never really thought that it was something I could do until she really kind of showed me the light. Well, that's fantastic. I'm glad that you had that connection through through your family. I think that when you're a new writer especially, if you have a connection, if you have someone who is kind of a senior writer, somebody who's been doing it for a while, that you can lean on, that is so important because this is a very defeating business. So if you're if you're just a new writer and you're writing and you don't have critique partners or you don't have a, a friend who has been writing forever, if you don't have these connections, if you don't have a network, there are so many times that I can see where somebody might just say, I can't do this. It's too hard. And I think it's really yeah, important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I always tell new writers when they say, how do I do this? What do I do? The first thing I tell them is find other writers, find your, find your tribe, find your people and that way, it's not going to, it will still hurt. You will still cry, but it won't hurt as bad <laughs> if you have people Absolutely. to see you. <laughs> and I say, I say that all the time. Community is such an important thing. And I think it's something that we think of writing and we're like, well, it's so, it's such an introverted on your own sort of activity. And it's really not because you need all of that input and guidance from other writers. Like i wouldn't write the stories I write today without my critique partners, without my editors, like without all these people that come in here and give me ideas that I'm like, Oh, I didn't even think about that. And so that's sort of like, I now try to pay it forward a little bit. I do try to be that person that if I have a friend who's like, Oh, my friend like is an aspiring writer. Do you mind talking to them? And I'm always like, yeah, like, I'm happy to have a conversation. Like, because that's what helps me. And it can be, very, very crazy to think about this industry. And I think it's a lot more overwhelming from the outside until you kind of learn what it takes and, and what people go through to kind of get to where they are. And then it sort of draws the veil down a little bit and it's like, oh, okay, this is attainable. This is something we can work towards. Exactly. Exactly. And 
I don't know. I can't ever I spend a lot of time on Reddit nowadays and I can't tell you how many times I have just said, just get a critique partner. Just get just one, just get one, even though you really should have more than one, just get one person who isn't your family, who isn't your mom or your sister and have that person because they are the ones who know the ins and outs of this writing thing. They are the ones that can tell you about your structure, your pacing. Do you need to tighten this up? Do you need to use a, a better word here? Is your theme good? They're the ones that can look at your story on that type of level that we really should be viewing our stories. Yes, inspiration is great. Yes, the muse is fantastic. But that doesn't get your book finished. <laughs> you know, you get your book finished. Your critique partners help you get your book finished. And I just can't. I don't understand those writers who still live in that place where they're like, I'm doing this all on my own because that's not really, that's not at all how it works. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that just comes from not having even really experienced it or not having experienced a good partner. And that's sort of such a big thing. Cause I absolutely felt the same where I'm like, like nobody can really give me input. I don't want somebody to change my story. But now from an outside point, I can only take my story so far. And I think I've answered a lot of questions that my readers find that I don't. And don't get me wrong. I think everybody should have that person who thinks everything they write is perfect. And, <laughs> and that's my best friend. And anytime I feel down, I send it to her. She's always so excited. And it's great to have her. But I also know that everything I write is not perfect. As much as I'd love for that first draft to be phenomenal, yes. it's not. And the story ideas are a little far-fetched. And I think it's just, it makes such a huge thing, and it, it's very vulnerable, and it's very hard to do, especially the first time. But it makes such a big difference when you can get somebody whose opinion you're going to trust, and they're willing to go through this book and, you know, work on it with you and, and encourage you. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking as someone who I started writing in the 90s, I've, I wrote as a child, of course, like many of us do, but I started trying to write professionally in the 90s. And I did it by myself from 1998 until 2013. And I, I have to say, I feel like that period in my life, I was still just a hobby writer. And I didn't really start to become the serious professional writer until I started growing my community, growing my network, and really getting the feedback that I needed on my stuff. So definitely, I am 100% in agreement with you. Community, community, community is so important. So important. <laughs> what do you do, if anything, outside of writing? Uh, so I have a full-time job. I work in marketing for an industrial manufacturer. It's a company I've worked with a few years ago, and I've been back with them recently. Uh, I'm very, very blessed. COVID has given me a good work-from-home situation, so I love my mornings. My office commute is only about a minute, so <laughs> I can't complain about that. Um, but just sort of nice, because I used to commute so much for work, and that's that hour each way takes so much time out of your day. So it's sort of been a really nice thing to have 
that extra hour that it's like, okay, now I can write for the hour in the morning or I can write for the hour after work and just, and, and you just learn to balance your time so much better. Um, but yeah, I do have that. And then I do a lot of volunteer work, usually social media based. I volunteer for my ski club that I've been skiing with since I was three. <laughs> and, uh, I actually volunteer with uh, a writing group I'm a part of, which you're also a part of yes. uh, WSWA, which is the Women's Fiction Writers Association. I am doing, I do with all of their uh, social media currently. Fantastic. I didn't know that. Um, I knew that you were part of the rebranding thing, but I didn't know that you were handling all the social media. That's, that is a pretty big volunteer thing. <laughs> Almost 10 years. Oh, wow. I started it, I started it in 2014. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I know. It's been a really long time. <laughs> well, you're doing a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been, a, it's been a labor of love and a little bit of a learning curve. I bet so. I bet so. Now, you said that um, this your full-time job and, of course, your decreased commute has really helped you to balance your writing time. And I know that a lot of new writers, especially when they still have their full-time jobs, which I recommend keeping as long as possible. <laughs> Will you talk a little bit about how you found that balance? Like what, when you first started working from home, were you like, oh, I'm going to get to write so much, and then you realized, oh, I got my work to do? Or did you know immediately, okay, this is what I need to do to balance out the things that I have to do? I think the great thing is, is that because I was working in an office for so long, I had to really carve out those specific writing times. I should preface this and say I am not a mother, and any mother that writes and works and mothers anything, I have the utmost respect for you. I do not have little ones that I have to think about when it comes to thinking about my time. So I know I am lucky in that sense when it comes to my balance. Um, but because I didn't do this office commute, I really did work on being like, for this day of the week, I'm writing from this time to this time. And it means you might be handling dinner because I can't handle it tonight. Or it means that you can do whatever you want. You just can't walk into my office for two hours because I have to do this. And I think the other thing was COVID made a big change with how writers kind of almost are willing to work with each other. So now I have a lot of online writing sessions that I'm expected to show up to because it's accountability um, that are with these people that I formed these um, throughout COVID. So it's been very, uh, it's been very helpful because that accountability and having somebody there on screen with me while I'm writing, it's like, I can't just sit there scrolling my phone because they can see if I'm working or not, and then they'll shame me. <laughs> so yeah. It's a little bit of give and take, you know, um, having that accountability and, and really just making sure you carve out of that time. Like, your writing matters, and and if you have to have that conversation with your spouse or your family, like, ultimately, published or not, this is a goal that you have, and they should treat your time like your career. Absolutely. I 100% agree. <laughs> now you have, you've already had a book published this year. The Things We Lost came out in April of 2023. 2022. Oh, 2022. Okay. Yeah, just by one year. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. So okay. 
you have, so the things we lost came out last year in April, and then you have an upcoming publication in September of 2023, your sophomore effort, which is called Twisted. It is. Now, do you want to talk a little bit, I mean, we know it's a thriller. (laughs) (laughs) What, tell us a little bit about the process of that book. How did you come up with a concept? And just what the journey has been like from the beginning to now. Absolutely. So Twisted is a bit of a murder mystery, a bit of a crime thriller. Um, follows three points of view and is kind of based around this mysterious pharmaceutical drug that's recently been on the market and how it kind of ties into this crime. Um, it was super fun to write and it changed so much. The Interesting thing, I think, and it's something that you come across uh, in the writing industry all the time, The Things We Lost, which was published in April of last year as my debut novel, was actually written after Twisted. So Twisted I wrote before I wrote The Things We Lost. I probably wrote Twisted almost about 13 years ago uh, when I first wrote it. Oh, that's a bit of an exaggeration, sorry, about 10 years ago (laughs) when I first started writing. And it kind of started as this book, so I have a couple, uh, sort of a a good, really good girlfriend group, and one of my girlfriends had been like, I want you to write a story about our alter egos, and she she picked these names. And so I'm like, okay, sure, I'll go home and use these names and write some sort of story. And to give this girl credit, she's been a good trigger idea for a lot of my books, so I um, try to take her seriously when she suggests something, because it's almost always turned into some sort of novel for me. But it kind of started as that. And it started as this book with seven points of view. And it was just so convoluted. And I put it in a competition. And I had two editors basically come back and say, yeah, so seven points of view is insane. So we want you to bring it down to three. And I'm like, I'm like, the concept of the story, I'm like, it's impossible. Like, I can't, I can't change this from seven to three. That's crazy. So I thought about it, and I worked on it, and obviously I eventually got it there. But when I went to go pitch it to uh, Rising Action, my publisher, they had sort of been like, we're looking to like talk about what you want your sophomore, next, you know, your sophomore novel to be. And so I kind of pitched a couple, and I said, so I have this one. It's a little bit out there, and I'm like, I can't talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> and so she's like, okay, sure, like, let's check that one out. And I'm like, okay, well, like, cards on the table. I also haven't looked at this book for five years, so I need to go edit it, and then I'll send it to you. Um, so I go and look at it, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, this is garbage. This book is terrible. Like, nobody's going to want to read this. And I'm texting my best friend, as I told you, my uh, my biggest inspiration that I can use, as to so, so speak. And she's like, like you've read this book a hundred times you know everything that happens of course you think it's bad like you don't think the twists are are a twist because you know what's like just just breathe send it to her and wait (laughs) (laughs) so she talked me out off my ledge I sent it to Alex uh, my publisher and she came back within about a week and a half and was like we're doing this again now and I'm like okay Um, it was really exciting and then the other thing that's really great about it is that I started a sequel to Twisted and um, I kind of was like would you be interested in that and she's like well I'll finish writing it and then we'll talk so I actually pitched on the sequel which is currently titled Wicked uh, and it is supposed to be out October 2024 so 
So Wicked is the follow-up to Twisted. It is, yeah. Awesome. So that was actually my next question was about Wicked because I saw that you have that coming out next fall. So then what are you working on now other than edits and revisions, of course? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm actually just finishing up a couple beta reads. Um, I have this wonderful writing group that I'm working with. I should say had. I have this wonderful writing group that I'm working with. And we just finished uh, a round of beta reads. Uh, so that was really exciting. So I'm getting actually ready to dive back into the novel I started during NaNo last year. It's a little bit of, uh, of course, a little bit murder mystery. Too. <laughs> um, but it's sort of in the vein, uh, a little bit in the vein of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, in the sense that I have my character interviewing this other character uh, and basically learning her story. But the uh, general pitch for this book I'm working on is um, about to be sentenced to life in prison for five murders. Regina Jackson is ready to share her story, but she will tell it to one person and one person only, the twin sister of her last victim. Ooh. You got me. <laughs> so it's been a fun one, and I'm really excited to get back into it. Oh, fantastic. Well, I'm super excited. Like, you are rolling with your publications, and you're doing one a year, which I think is a great – I think that's a great goal for people to have. I'm always – I've always been against rapid-release publishing. I understand why people do it, but it just leads to burnout. So um, I'm – I staunchly, staunchly advocate for one to two books a year. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. Like I think it can be, it can be a very interesting process. And you know, I'm really grateful that I'm even in a position that I can do this right now, uh, and that my publisher has been so wonderful to work with. They are a small independent press um, based in Toronto, so and and I was their debut, so that should be noted as well. Oh, fantastic! Um, but it's been great and. And it's, and it's so nice to kind of be able to work on things at a pace that's not overwhelming. Yeah. And at the same time, it's like, I'm telling you about this book and I'm so excited, but you probably won't see it until like 2027. <laughs> and that is publishing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I have to tell you, I had the same thing happen to me. Well, hopefully it will. The the first book that I wrote that I signed with my agent, I have written now two more books. And the book that I just finished is the one that she wants to be my debut. So if it is, in fact, my debut, then when the my sophomore book comes out, it's actually going to be the first one that I wrote. <laughs> so I will have a little bit of the same experience if if any of them sell. I mean, who knows in this crazy publishing world? <laughs> it's such a crazy world right now. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's been a lot of policy changes, a lot of politics. I mean, the reality with any industry. But um, I think it's been, it's been a tough couple of years. It, it has. I was just talking to the author yesterday. We talked a little bit about the changing, the publishing, um, the changes in publishing. And, I'm excited. I mean, right now it really hurts, but I'm excited to see what comes from it, what all of these changes will do and, and kind of where we go from there. So I don't know. It's a, it's a 
brave new world, I guess we'll say. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we want it to evolve. We want to see yes. we want to see the industry grow, and we want to see more great stories. Like that's that's what we're all here for. <laughs> exactly. I would like for big publishing to focus less on major bestsellers and maybe put their money into their smaller authors because. I mean, those are great stories that they're just kind of let's they're letting sit on the mid list. And mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean, I understand wanting to make tons of money. That's a great thing. I would, I love money. I would like to have more, but <laughs> at the same time, maybe you could make even more money if you put your focus on these little people that you're ignoring. <laughs> yeah. It's a tough business. And I mean, and I think that's why, right? Because there's so much heart and emotion in the business, mm-hmm. but it is a business and they do have to think about the money. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Last year when I debuted, I was in a really great debut group and, and I got to see a lot of other, some big five, some indie, some self-published all coming out in 2022. And there's just such an amazing array of books, yeah. but you only hear about like 20 of them. Exactly. And it's it's a shame because there are just so many great stories being published every day. So hopefully we'll we'll start to see we'll start to see an acceptance more of especially self publishing, and you know maybe we'll get to see more and more titles every year, and it won't be just a select few that are focused on. That would be that would be the dream, right? <laughs> It'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> Well, I have one more question, and this could be the most important question. (laughs) It's one that I always ask. What is the best writing advice you have heard or you have been given? So my favorite piece of writing advice, and I know that a lot of people, I mean, a lot of us are really, really bad at it, but... Don't go back and edit your first draft until it is finished. Write the end before you go back. Even if you change the plot halfway through, get to the end first. Because constantly writers are so caught up with making their beginning perfect. And by the time you hit the end, that beginning may not even matter anymore. Exactly. So I highly, highly recommend, as hard as it is, and I know it's hard because I'm really bad at it too, Get yourself to the end. Your first draft is allowed to be garbage. It's likely going to be garbage. In fact, I would say I guarantee it's going to be garbage. <laughs> we always are. But that is why we edit. That is what we work on. So please, 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 write the end before you go back to edit the beginning. <laughs> yeah, because my the book that I just finished in February, I have changed the opening three times. I had the original opening, and now that I'm starting on draft three, I've changed it again. So I've changed it in every draft. And I mean, I know writers like you're talking about that edit as they go. I don't know how they do it. Like I just need Mm -hmm. to get the story out. But, um, I, I know one writer, she, she edits as she goes because she wants her manuscript to be as close to perfect as possible when she's finished. And I think, I mean, it works well for her, but I can't do it. (laughs) <laughs> There's yeah, no way. And I think it depends on the process, right? Yeah. Like, and how you manage things. And if you're a really, really good plotter, then you might not change anything after you write that draft. You might just need to plot your whole draft, and then you can really kind of write it perfect. But 
I do find, especially with new writers, we're not, they're not plotters, they're panthers. Yeah. So it's going to change. And, you know, it's, and same with my debut, my opening on my debut changed after they purchased it. It changed before, like halfway through pitching because I got a mentorship. So it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I, and that's, that's one of the great things but also one of the bad things because you can, you can edit and edit and edit something to death. (laughs) So that's why I think the advice that you gave is so important because yes, if you've been writing and you're a super fantastic plotter, go ahead and do whatever you want. But if you're a pantser, you need to get that story out of you before you get yourself all mixed up. Okay, well, I got the um, little thingy from Zoom that says, oh, you're running out of time. So I am going to say thank you so much for hanging out with me, for talking to me and our listeners about your writing journey and, and the, little, the little nuances of your writing life. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing that with us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. And if anyone does want to... Uh, reach out or chat about writing you can always find me on instagram it's just maggie giles underscore or on my website maggiegiles.com and i will put those links in the description when the episode goes live so we'll make sure they can get to you awesome thank you so much this was great well thank you maggie have a great afternoon thank you you too thanks bye i really hope you enjoyed that interview with thriller and women's fiction author Maggie Giles. I know I enjoyed recording it. I always enjoy speaking to Maggie. She's such a delight to talk to and she also has so much knowledge about the publishing industry. So it was an absolute honor and delight to be able to spend this you know, 20 some minutes with her. I hope that you will enjoy listening or have enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed chatting. As for me, I am so happy to say that I am officially on submission. It feels really great to say that after so long. I'm hoping that this time around we have a little more traction and a little more interest. Last time we were on submission, it was the pandemic and things were super, super weird in the publishing industry then. So I am really uh, nervous and excited to see what happens this time because I'll have two books on submission. I have confirmed that one of them is out on submission now. So cross your fingers and your toes and whatever else you can cross for me, please, because I would really love to be able to announce at some point in the near future that I have a book deal. (laughs) Of course, it won't be on the podcast, but it will be everywhere else that I can get to my, my newsletter the rooftops, social media, anywhere, anywhere and everywhere. All will know. (laughs) Well, I cannot believe that we have one episode left of About This Writing Thing. I said this a few episodes ago or a couple of episodes ago when I started this experiment in 2019. I didn't know if I would still be going. There were several times that... I stopped for a while because I didn't think that this was something that I wanted to do, but the interviews have been so much fun and not, 
Not that I didn't want to do the podcast because I do enjoy doing the podcast. I hate the editing part, as I'm sure most podcasters will tell you. But I had to decide what was more important to keep the podcast going or to get back to writing, which is what I really need to be doing. So writing one out, (laughs) as you know, and we have one episode left. So I do hope that you will return on the 27th for my final episode with Kim Taylor Blakemore. Until then, as always, take care and keep writing.